Today is Tuesday, December 4th, 2018. This is episode 74 of the Birdland BS Podcast. Today on the show, the Ravens soar over the Falcons. We're going to do a full shell press with Terps men's basketball. And Elias is making moves for the Orioles. Stay tuned. Take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 What's up, BSers? What up? Fred and Scott, December 4th, here with the latest episode of the Birdland BS podcast. Got a lot to talk about. Some breaking news that literally just happened around Terps, the the Maryland organization, we'll say, the university. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit. Before we get in too far to anything, I want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by John Scheffenknocker of Cummings & Co. Realtors. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Do you want someone you can trust to go to bat for you? Go see our guy, John Scheffenacher, over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now. It's dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always willing to take your call and be available for you anytime, day or night. For you Birdland fans out there, you probably know him as the guy in the orange shirt with the black tie, backwards hat, sunglasses, sitting behind the dugout at Camden Yards. So give John a call today, 443-604-6298. Yeah, Fred, I, we talk about it every week. I bought my house uh, with John as my realtor. We gave him a call while he was on vacation, got us into that house, the house we wound up buying, uh, you know, has always really taken care of us, even after the fact, you know, giving us, you know, little birthday cards. He just, for the holidays, he just sent us a nice little car with a little gift card in it for us, you know, the next home improvements on him kind of thing. Uh, and it, it's just awesome. He steps, he steps above and beyond uh, what a real, what most realtors actually do. Most realtors, they just, you know, kind of, Say, hey, here's a house for you. Here you go. Here you go. But he takes care of you afterwards. Um, and that's that's what we love about him. We got his, we got the pie for Thanksgiving. Which was delicious, with, by the way. Yeah, I did got, have a piece of that. It was very good. It was amazing. And so you you don't want to hesitate to call John. You know, give him a call as soon as you can. 443-604-6298. Whether you're buying or selling, reach out to him. You can also reach out at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com make sure you tell them birdland bs is the one that sent you all right well let's get into what everybody wants to hear about we were got some exciting things going on with the ravens you know things looked doom and gloom there for a little while but after uh three wins in a row the tide has kind of turned ravens now with a big win out in atlanta 26 to 16 this past week sit at seven and five on the year Four games left to go in the year. Shot at looking, you know, at the playoffs is looking pretty good at this point. I mean, I I didn't think, honestly, I was going to be saying that uh, a few weeks ago. Look, we've seen some things. We're going to get into them later, uh, but we've seen some things that are that are positive. There are some some things that are of concern, especially coming up against uh, some of the teams that we're going to be going against at the end of the season that are you know on pretty much hot streaks right now. Right. Uh, 
it, it's one of those things that's going to be interesting to see how this how this really finishes out because we're fighting. We've got the second wild card spot right now, and we're going to continue to fight if we can do well and all if all the pieces fall into place. We're in the playoffs, right? I mean, if the playoffs started tomorrow, we're in, right? So we're there, but it's that's always one of the hardest things to do is maintain, yeah. Because one loss and somebody can overtake you. It's a it's a lot harder in in my opinion in any sport to maintain a spot once you get it than to go and grab it. Because it's really easy to motivate your guys to go. All right, we need it. We're gonna go. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get into the playoffs with this game. We're gonna get in that last wild card spot. How'd that go for us last year? You, you know what? I mean, yeah, it didn't go very well. Well, it, it you also have to have have the right person motivating. Let's just be honest. <laughs> uh, but, That's a whole other discussion. But exactly, not, we're not going down the rabbit hole. Uh, but for me, it, it's one of the things. It is so much harder to maintain. How how do you pump up a team? Let's keep the spot. Yeah, like right. you know, it, it's a lot easier for for a coach and for you know even a, some of the team captains to you know to get in and grind. And go, we need this. We want this. We're gonna go get it. Versus, we have to maintain, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a completely different conversation. It's a lot harder to do. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Uh, before we get too in depth with some of the hot button topics that everybody's kind of talking about and has been has continued to talk about over the past couple of weeks, let's talk a little bit about this specific game first. We we talked about Atlanta being kind of a a test, especially for you know the the defense. Can they maintain the success that they've had over the past couple of weeks? Obviously, going against the Bengals without an AJ Green and without some of their weapons, Tyler Eifert, and then going against the Raiders and the struggles that they've had all year. Of course, you're probably going to, you're, you're going to see a little bit of a spike in defensive performance just because they're two of the weaker teams offensively, uh, at least at this point in the year, maybe not in the beginning of the year, but at this point in the year, right. uh, you know, so we go into Atlanta on the road in a hostile environment. Although when we start looking at the fans in Raven stadium and we complain about how many people are coming out to our games. Wow. Like Atlanta, it was empty, and it sounded like there were more Ravens fans there than there were Falcon fans. Yeah, and after you know, <laughs> second half, they emptied out even more. Yeah, so absolutely. But this game, we we looked at a few things. Obviously, Matt Ryan being big. You know, we want to make sure that we get to him early and often. Uh, you know, ranked twelfth uh, as far as red zone efficiency so a very a pretty efficient team when it comes to being in the red zone uh you know they've got big weapons really all across the field and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and uh Muhammad Sanu uh you know they they have struggled in the run game you know obviously losing Devontae Freeman was a big blow for them uh but you gotta account for all these wide receivers and we talked a little bit about it last week. You know, how do you how do you attack these receivers? How do you cover these receivers? Do you put best guy on best guy, or maybe do you shadow, you know, the best guy, give him double with maybe your second best corner and put your best corner on the second best receiver? This is one of those teams where it's hard to make that judgment call because they've got so many good wide receivers across the board. But to put it mildly, the defense did its job in this game, and we'll get into that in a little bit more yeah. in depth here, but uh, they did a great job with this. But let's talk about, I guess, the offense first. I thought Lamar played okay in this game, looked more more and more like a rookie in this game, made some mistakes. What did you see out of Lamar? Did you Were you happy with his performance? Or? 
I was fairly happy. Obviously, there there are some things that I did see with um, some of the some of the, his stat line. I think was the was the big thing um, for me. He, Twelve for twenty one, hundred twenty five yards, seventeen rushes. So I mean, w- we keep saying it, it. We thought eleven was like eh. Right. So they went more this game. He rushes for seventy five yards. He does get the TD, which is always going to you know we're going to get down that rabbit hole in a little bit. But detractors and people that are talking about Lamar and Lamar conversation, it creates issue. Um, but I, the one big thing that I saw uh, out of Lamar was the three fumbles. Yeah. Uh, you know he he loses one, he recovers one himself. Yonda re- recovers the other. It just it just showed he's not protecting the ball when he is getting flushed out of the pocket. Um, so that was one thing that I that I saw that was that was pretty bad. I know you said you saw something with the wide receiving core. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't so much just the wide receiver core. It was the fact that, I mean, Lamar missed wide open receivers uh, a couple times. The big one, obviously, that everybody saw was the John Brown throw. I mean, he had him 25, 30 yards downfield wide open. And, I mean, he threw it a good four or five yards over John Brown's head. Yeah. Um, you know, had – plenty of time to set his feet and make that throw and that was always the knock on Lamar was his accuracy he'll make these amazing throws and fit them in the tight windows from time to time and then he'll make a throw like that where you're just like I I, I don't get it I don't understand I think the disappointing thing here with the wide receivers if we want to get into that was I mean we're back to the same issue that we've had for years We, we got guys dropping the ball all over the field you know Crabtree had a big drop Willie Sneed had a big drop you know, we, you and I talked about it last week a little bit. Sneed has kind of, since Lamar has come in, has kind of faded out as far as his activity and his targets and his production. And, you know, the one time Lamar actually does try to get him involved, Sneed drops the ball. Yeah, I mean, Sneed had one reception on three targets. Right. I mean, but it's three targets, and part of it we talked about is a little bit, you know, one is his fault with the drop, uh, but I think the other one was was misthrown by Lamar. Uh, kind of thrown a little bit behind Snead. Snead had no shot at it. Right. Um, so it, it's the chances that this core is getting aren't always the best. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I guess the good thing was we got to see what the backup situation would be like <laughs> as Lamar went down in this game, getting kicked like a mule in the head, got pulled out for uh uh, concussion protocol so we got to see rg3 and get a little feel for what the offense would look like with him out there and you know what in the one drive that he was out there he got us down the field got us in field goal range and, and we got points on the board with him couldn't ask for more than that only tried to throw the ball four times i mean right. successful two two completions for, but it was for 21 yards i mean so it's his first it's a, time taking a snap since 2016 yeah in the regular, in season. A regular season yeah, yeah. In the regular season absolutely i mean i, th- I think it, it we definitely saw something out of him that it, he, I hate this word, but I use it. He's still a good serviceable serviceable quarterback. Yeah, and I think he's he's got the mobility still. It's I think it is a little bit more limited, but I also didn't see them push him with it right. uh, because I think they weren't trying to have him get hurt, not knowing what was going on with Lamar. Uh, so I think that's why the first drive they're handing the ball off a little bit more and not having him throw as much and sitting in the pocket. So I I, I was I kind of expected it once he came in that they weren't going to. Get, trust him, so to speak, with the ball. As many people are going to put it, but I think was, I think it's more of you don't want to put him in a, in a risky situation there, not knowing what the, what's going on with Lamar. Uh, if Lamar fails concussion protocol, he's got to be your QB for the rest of the game. You can't have him getting hurt on the first drive and, and trying to push him and are asking him to to run some of the plays that maybe you you would have asked Lamar to run. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Uh, you know, you mentioned running the ball. Obviously, that's become the focal point of this offense is is the running game. Uh, we got to see Kenneth Dixon kind of get it back into action. How long that's going to be, I don't know. There's still like the whole thing out there that you know the the NFL is apparently investigating something kind of behind the, the behind closed doors and. John Harbaugh has been pretty hush-hush about it, hasn't put out too much information as to what they're investigating. So don't know how much longer he's going to be around to be back there. Uh, but, you know, with Alex Collins going on the IR, you know, we got to have somebody behind Gus Edwards there. And I thought Kenneth Dixon, albeit he looked completely out of shape from a physical standpoint. I mean, he he... He got a belly on him yeah. <laughs> uh, from what he was when he got drafted. He was eating a little bit too much ice cream. Yeah, yeah too, much, too much time off, man. That guy can't stay on the football field. That's, that's the problem with Kenneth Dixon is, you know, he will show flashes from time to time that he can be a productive running back, but you can't trust him to be out there and you can't trust him to stay healthy. No. Uh, but we did, you know, again, he did have a decent game. The one knock on him when he has played is his fumble you know, his, his ability to hang on to the ball, and he did fumble in this game, so that kind of reared its ugly head again there. But, you know, Edwards played a decent game. He didn't have over 100 yards like he has in his previous two games, but look, 81 carries, or I'm sorry, 81 yards on 21 carries, I think is, or 82 yards on 29 carries, almost a four-yard uh, four per average, Yeah, I thought was pretty good. Uh, the only thing I noticed in this game that he wasn't doing prior was he seemed to be running a little more off tackle, you know, obviously by design, by game plan, they were running off tackle versus trying to run between the tackles. Uh, and that didn't seem to to bode too well for him. He didn't get the, the bigger seven to 10 yard clip runs that he was getting previous weeks. Uh, he was still gashing them for four or five yards at a time. He just wasn't getting the bigger end runs. Well, we've talked about that before. And that, that may be play call, like you said, yeah. but it's when you start moving East and West, you're going. To, your average is going to drop. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When you move east, east or west, you're going to you're going to decrease your ability. Even on the guys that are shifty, when Collins was doing well last year, you know, at the beginning of last year, that's something that can happen. But Gus Edwards, the reason he's been successful, and I don't think I think that was a bad bad call, Marty Morningwing. Yet yeah. another conversation we'll get into later. Absolutely. But it's he needs to run north and south and not be moving east and west. It, I mean, he shouldn't have been run off tackles. He should have been running. Straight through the gut. But look, as a whole, I mean, this team had over 200 yards on the ground again, yeah. 207 yards, 4.2 average. They're averaging 239 yards and 4.9 yards per carry over their last three games. I think this team has finally found an identity on offense. Starting to. I, I think they have. Um, and we'll see. I mean, this kind of would, would lead into the entire whole Lamar debate versus Joe, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but still want to go into this game. Let's let's get into a little bit of what we saw on the defensive side. This was a dominant defensive game. Yeah, dominant. absolutely. When you hold the Falcons and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu to 97 passing yards, 112 total, 15 rushing yards, Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's impressive for a half of football, yet alone an entire game. We talked, we talked last week as one of the keys, as we mentioned, was keeping Julio, Julio Ridley and Sanu, or we actually said Julio Ridley and Hooper. Sanu can, can kind of be a factor sometimes, 
but especially those three, we said they need to play lockdown, and boy, did they. Humphrey, two pass deflections in this game that were critical, critical pass deflections because if he doesn't get his hands on it, they were big gains. They were, I think, but one was like a, was going to be a uh, twenty-five or thirty-yard gain. The other one's going to be a thirty-five-yard gain. So, well, what we saw with with, with Marlin, and and you, if you really pay attention to how Marlin plays the position, is he is great with his hands. He he really has the ability to break up a pass very well. Like he, the, I, it's been multiple times this year where the receiver has gotten his hands on the ball. And would have made the catch had Marlon not gotten his hand in there last second to break up the pass deflection. Right. So to your point, I mean, he played great. In the beginning of the game, We it kind of surprised me. We saw Jimmy Smith on Julio in the beginning, and I thought, okay, maybe they're going to be shadowing somebody over the top with Jimmy to, to try to cover um, try to cover Julio because I personally think – Marlon, we talked about it last week. I, I still think Marlon is the best player on this football team right now. And I think he is by far our best corner. Jimmy is still a productive corner and he's gotten better as the season progressed. Cause when he came back from his suspension, he looked lost. He yeah, looked, no, I mean, he, he looked was getting slow. burned left and right. Yeah, he just did not look good. He has gotten better, but Marlon is by far the best corner on this team, for sure. Agreed. And when you look at it, Jim, you talked about Jimmy with Jimmy, he was swarming to the ball. This game fairly often six tackles in this game. Yeah, so swarming to the ball, he did well. The other guy that it's not on our on our list of guys that we want to talk about, but I was kind of looking at the highlights and looking at everything again. Silent assassin in this game when he was on the field, Clark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the truth of the matter is, you didn't really hear his name called. So I mean, he was always a good thing. That's always a good <laughs> thing, right? Um, yeah, he wasn't out there too much. But, you know, he, he did play, and again, he made plays when he was out there. Look, right. th- this entire defense played well in this game. The The big thing that I think we were all kind of looking for and hoping for was that we'd, we'd see the, the pass rush start to kind of get back on track here. They started to last week, they, and then this week they st- really stepped up. Right, absolutely. This this week, huge, huge games by Terrell Suggs, Zedaria Smith, Patrick Onwasu, both had, or all three had a sack. Um, you know, also Suggs. In the backfield, pretty often in this game, he had two tackles for a loss. Uh, and, you know, it's just that's the difference in playing good defensive football versus mediocre defensive football. It all starts with pass rush. If you can disrupt the quarterback and keep them, keep him uncomfortable, it makes everybody's job on the outside, your corners, your safety, so much easier. They don't have to cover as long, and they don't have anywhere near. They can play tighter coverage. They can play more press versus playing off the line and letting those shorter routes beat them. So it's just a, it's a cumulative effect, and we're seeing that uh, get better now as the season goes on. I agree, I agree. And we're going to get to it in a second. Uh, Matt brings up a, a point. He's trying to play devil's advocate on something, but I figure we're going to we're going to get through the rest of the, the rest of our information here, and then we're going to kind of open that up in our debate here, our debate yeah. section here. Um, the other big play to talk about in this game: the continued one hundred percent passer rating yeah. <laughs> of Sam Cook, who throws a I think it was a twenty one yard first down. <laughs> yeah. He might be the best passer on the team. He's now five for five. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it was it was a wide open. It was perfect. He cut it. Chris Moore cut across the middle. 
Cook threw a perfect ball to him. Yeah, it's funny. And, I watched this video on him like last. I think it was last year, maybe the season before, where a lot of the teammates just talked about Sam Cook and the athlete that he is. You know, but a lot of punters they don't consider athletes for whatever reason. They don't consider them football players, but they say that this guy he can do a little bit of everything, and, and he proved it. I mean, he he hit Chris Moore in stride, albeit maybe it was a little high, a little high of a throw. If I'm going to be critical on anything. But he hit him in stride, got the big first he, down. It was huge. Here's the way that I look at that. He put it where Chris Moore could only, was the only one that could get it. Right. Ab- yeah. I, I mean, agree. it was high, but that was the only place that he could get it where Chris Moore was going to get it, and, and the defender wasn't. Simple as that. And here we sit a few weeks after the Saints game, which was painful, you know, with, with Tucker missing that extra point. But yeah, because of you. Good. <laughs> Good. Oh, you're not going to live it down, yeah, Fred. You're no. not going to live it down. You jinxed it. I, I get that. <laughs> uh, but no, it would. I, you know, you're worried. You've never seen Tucker have to go through any kind of adversity in his career or miss anything that critical. I mean, never missed an extra point, period. But to miss yeah. one and miss one, be it at the end of the game there, you just don't know how it's going to affect somebody mentally. And he's done a good job of putting that in the past, not letting it affect him. In this game, obviously, he went four for four on all his field goals attempts. I mean, they didn't have real long ones. I think the longest one he had was 47 yards. But nonetheless... Uh, that was a that was a worry point because it was the first time he had to go through any adversity in his career, and he shows that uh, he's mentally strong. Yeah, I mean he he's continued to show that that's not going to let it affect him. He said that from the get go. He put it on himself. That's what I lo- we loved about that about that press conference after that game was he put it on himself. He said that is my fault. That is all my. Despite there were some other issues on the team and things that didn't happen, he stepped up and said, "If it's not for me, we're winning that game." So I'm just going to say, it's on me. Right, and he took it in and just took it in stride. So I think it just really shows that he's he's got the mentality to be able to handle that and to come out and and hit, you know, forty seven yarder, go four for four. I think it's just it just shows he he's he is mentally tough. Period. Absolutely. I do have a question for you. Three games now, we've seen Lamar. Yeah. Is he the answer for this team? It's a loaded question, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to answer it simply for you and shout out to Matt Stevens for coming on the show last week and giving us his insight uh, on what he thinks of Lamar and what he thinks of this offense. Uh, Appreciate everything that Matt says, but he gets a little too in depth with certain things. I'm more of a, what do I see? You know, what, what am I physically seeing? I'm not going to get into each and every play and break everything down. I'm, I'm more of a, what what's a f- you're trying to look at a whole picture i'm looking at the whole picture i'm looking at a feel so i'm not going to throw any stats or anything in particular play wise at you this team had absolutely no identity on offense before lamar none wildly inconsistent ups downs the one thing that's been consistent about that has been joe his entire career he has been up and down and listen can't debate that. Prior to Lamar getting in, I had always said I didn't want to see Lamar this year. I didn't think that Lamar was ready. I still really don't think that Lamar is ready. No. But if we're talking about winning right now, okay, you have to play within the constraints of a Marty Morning Wig led offense. Okay. And we know that with Joe at quarterback, this offensive scheme that we have right now doesn't exist. He doesn't make these kind of play calls. He doesn't run this kind of offense with Joe at the helm. We saw that 
prior to Lamar coming in, and it put us at four and five on the year. We saw what that offensive looked like. There's a lot of people out there, you know, the the ones that just want to say that you have to throw the ball in this league to win. I don't think it's accurate. And I don't let me ask you this. How many points can you score with one possession of the football? I'm trying to break this as simple as possible. How many points can you score with one possession of the football? With one possession. One possession. Eight. Okay. You go for the extra your two point conversion, yeah. you get eight. Max you can get is eight points on one possession. Does that change whether you throw the ball or you run the ball? No. Right. Okay. For me, I don't care if it takes you 30 seconds to drive down the field throwing a 60-yard pass and score your eight points, or if it takes eight minutes for you to drive down the field running the ball to score a touchdown. Well, I don't want to say I don't care because time of possession. I'll get to that in a second. I do care about that. But as far as points go, if I'm on the field running the ball, I don't care how high-flying your offense is with the pass. You're not on the field. I am, right? The only time you really have to rely, you have to rely on the passing game is if you're playing from behind late. You know, if you are a couple scores down and you have to score quickly, obviously you're going to do it faster with the pass. So that's a given. Or if you're like against the clock at the end of a half. If you're, you know, in minute left and you're trying to get 50 or 60 yards downfield to get in field goal range, that kind of thing, you do have to be able to throw. Now, I don't mean that you can be totally one-sided and be nothing but a running team. That was the case. Every team would just put nine in the box and completely shut it down. It's just not feasible. You just have to do enough to keep defenses honest. You know, we talk about balance a lot on this show, balance doesn't always equal 50-50. Balance can be doing enough to keep a defense honest, right? Right. The high-flying teams that throw up all these numbers, that put up all these numbers through the passing game, they're more heavily geared towards pass than they are rush. There's no problem with going the opposite way of that, being more heavily run than you are pass. Lamar brings a cumulative effect on this team. The the running game, you cannot argue, has been vastly improved. We're averaging well over 200 yards. 200 yards as a team. Part of that, yes, for all the ones that do want to break it out there, part of it is because of the scheme and now the offensive play calls. But like I said earlier... This scheme and those offensive play calls don't exist with Marty Morningwig as your offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator and Joe Flacco as your quarterback. Marty just doesn't play that kind of ball with that type of quarterback. He doesn't. <sighs> there has been a lot more aggressive blocking down the field versus zone blocking that we saw earlier. That's all a given. But you can't deny the fact that that just having Lamar consistently out there under center keeps defenses guessing and more in spy and contain than they are with Joe. 
They have to be. You have to be. That benefits everyone in the run game, including Edwards, Montgomery, and the added bonus of Lamar runs that you do not get, that do not exist with Joe at quarterback. I mentioned time of possession earlier. Albeit, time of possession can be somewhat of a misleading stat at some times, and you and I have talked about that a few different times with some of the games that we've watched. Right. But when you break it down in more simple terms, controlling the clock and giving teams less opportunity increases your chances of winning a football game. Simply. Especially with a defense like what we have. They can stop teams and keep them in check more so than any other defense out there. And when you've got a team, speaking of this defense, it's led by a bunch of seasoned veterans, Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle, Brandon Carr, just to name a few, you get the most out of those guys when they're more rested and given more time off the field. Not just them, everyone on the defense benefits from being on the field less, which in turn takes a good defense before this new identity on offense and turns them into a really good defense. And we've seen that this past three weeks. And that's what I mean by the cumulative effect of Lamar. There's so much. It's not if you're just simply talking about passing the football. Yes, Joe is the better passer. But just because he's the better passer doesn't mean that he's the better option for this team, for this team right now, with Marty Morningwig a coordinator, a coordinator, and what we've seen so far with the play calling. All right, you done? Yes. Okay. No, but yes. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you to get off your high horse, and here's why: because I'm gonna debunk half of what you just said. Marty Morningwig, I agree with you. Horrible play caller. Horrible. But have you seen Joe Flacco run this offense with this new schema that we've been running? The That's answer, what I'm saying. The answer is no. The answer is no. You haven't. Because, yes, while Marty Morningwig, you, you think Marty Morningwig won't, won't make that call. But if that's been successful with Gus Edwards, why wouldn't you give it a try with Joe Flacco? The scheme changed with Lamar because— It also Lam- changed during a bye week. You can't use that argument. The scheme is designed for a mobile quarterback. It's not designed because Gus Edwards. It's it the, the offense that we're running right now is designed for a mobile quarterback. It's designed more more geared like a college offense is. You don't run this same offense with a pocket passer. You can't. It's not successful because none of the defense has to worry about Joe. You can single out Gus Edwards and whoever's in the backfield, and that's all you got to worry about. You're not going to see Joe Flacco run east or west and try to get 15, 20 yards downfield. You can eliminate that altogether. It's the guesswork, and it's the having to keep your head on a swivel as a defense that delays everything. It delays your reaction time. It delays everything, and what does that do? It opens up lanes for Edwards, who's a north-south runner, to break through the line and get bigger gains. I'm Listen, I'm not discrediting Gus Edwards because I think Gus Edwards is a good running back even if Joe Flacco was in there but he's better because of the offense that is ran with Lamar here's my here, here's my thing who are the three teams Lamar went up against okay yeah they haven't been the greatest of defenses and that's what I'm talking about I'm not talking about 2019 I'm not talking about the beginning of this year I'm simply talking about 
the rest of this season. And if you look at the schedule, it's nothing but bottom half of the league run defenses the rest of the way out. So if we're going to win, if we're talking about winning right now and winning in this season, if you're going up against a whole bunch of defense that are terrible against the run, the run-heavy offense works. It can work. That's the only thing I'm saying. And everybody wants to say, well, you're going to go up against Kansas City this week, and Kansas City can put up 40 points, and they can do this, and they can do that. Kansas City lost to Pittsburgh in Kansas City. Okay, Pittsburgh defense is not as good as the Ravens. It's not. And the Ravens defense is playing better now because they're more fresh. Because why? Because the Ravens control the time of possession and they're on the field less. You're doing exactly what you're talking about with other people and saying one factor changes everything. Because you just hold on. You just brought up you just brought up the Steelers game. Just using that as an example. But there's a huge factor in that game. Huge factor in that game that somebody's not playing. Huge factor. He plays that brings another level, Ooh. another threat. Hunt. Okay. He plays in that game. That game is a completely different game. So you're you're more for my point then. You're proving my point even more. Everybody but, is saying that we're not going to compete against Kansas City, right? What's the Kansas difference? City had Kareem Hunt back then. They had a they better... also had a pa- they also have a QB that's a passer that can they can throw the ball with his left hand. You can't make that argument. You can't okay. compare. Hold on. You can't compare Kansas City and and the and the Ravens. You can't do it. You can't do Not it comparing them. But you, you just did. No, I you didn't. just you just said one thing changes it and it's the it's the run game. What? No. This scheme, this scheme, the running scheme that we have changes our ability to win this game versus Kansas City versus Joe Flacco and the offense that's ran with Joe Flacco. That's what I'm saying. Because, hang on a second, do you agree with me that running the football takes up more time of possession? Simple question. Yes or no? It can. Okay, has it? In the three weeks, has it? I I have to look at the time of possession. It's lopsided. It's lopsided. It's huge. Okay? So... Albeit Kansas City has a very good offense, okay? If you limit the amount of times that they have the ball, that's eliminating their chances of scoring. It's just like winning the lottery. I've got the I've got a chance of winning the lottery with one ticket, but I got a better chance of winning with five tickets. It's no different, right? So if you control time of possession and you give your defense the maximum ability to be at their best because you're keeping them fresh. This team can compete. Pittsburgh held Kansas City in check in Kansas City, which is where we're going. Pittsburgh has doesn't have the same defense that the Ravens have. Ravens have a right. better rated defense. So we're going into Kansas City. Kansas City's down now their best running back in Kareem Hunt, one of their huge tools. I'm not going to go out on a limb here and say that the the Ravens are going to win this game or that they're going to blow the Kansas City Chiefs out or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying all these people out here that want to say we can't compete against Kansas City unless we've got Joe Flacco. We we, we have a better shot with Joe Flacco at quarterback. It's just not accurate. It's not true. I'll, I'll be the first to admit Lamar has made some bad mistakes throwing the football. He's made some rookie mistakes, and obviously this past week we saw the fumbles. That's an issue. 
But you're going to have growing pains like that with any rookie quarterback. He's going to get better, hopefully. He's going to get better. But I'm just trying to look at the bigger picture here, and I think, personally, that if you limit the amount of possessions that they have, that eliminates that, well, we'll say condenses the amount of points that they can put up on the board, which gives us a better shot. So let me ask you this. Aside Lamar Mobile spying spying linebacker situation, mm-hmm. you don't think it's naive to say that you haven't that the Ravens haven't tried this schema, the the O line blocking scheme, combined with Gus Edwards and his ability to run north and south versus Alex Collins left and right. You I, don't think it's naive to you're 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 not you're not saying anything that I don't agree with. But you're saying you're saying you're sitting here. You're saying telling the wrong person. You need to be telling Marty Morningwig this. The problem is Marty Morningwig won't run how, this offense. How do you know that? Joe. How do you? How he do hasn't. You, he had nine games to do it. You mean that all of and a the sudden, bye week changes it? You're 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 and that's like I I'm I get look I don't disagree with it, what you're saying, but I think it's naive to say that they can't run this offense because the scheme they can, they can, but they won't. Because Marty Morningwig is the offensive coordinator. That's a whole other discussion as far as Morningwig and our opinions on Morningwig and our opinions on Harbaugh for not stepping in on Morningwig. But here's the deal. We had nine games, and we had another season prior to this with Marty Morningwig at quarterback. I mean, at uh, offensive coordinator. (laughs) He might as well have been a quarterback. (laughs) Mike, Mike Vick, one of the greatest mobile quarterbacks of all time, sung Marty Morningwig's praise. Why? Marty Morningwig and Greg Roman. Why? Because they've all kind of worked with mobile quarterbacks in the past, and they're they have good offensive schemes for mobile quarterbacks. You can't. Well, you can. It won't be as successful using Joe Flacco in this same scheme as it is with Lamar. It won't. The running game. You're going to get rid of. What's, what's Lamar averaging? 70, 80 yards rushing per game? That's gone. Just, just taking that out the picture, that's completely gone. Yes, you're going to gain some more yardage through the air that you're not getting with Lamar. I get that. But, again, out the window, because now you've got a bunch of three and outs, because you know that's what we get from Joe Flacco is a bunch of three and outs. More time of possession goes to Kansas City and to the other teams, which gives them more opportunities to score the, to score the ball. That's my stance on it. No, I, you know, I'm not going to change your mind. I know nobody, that. I understand nobody's going to change my mind, and I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just really t- like last week. I really wanted Matt to kind of get his opinions out and get his, you know, his feelings out on the whole situation. I needed some time to digest it, and I really wanted to see how this offense would do against Atlanta. And I don't think they did great. They didn't. You know, the defensive touchdown by Tavon Young obviously put the icing on the cake for us. But at the end of the day, he is three and zero. Look, I'm not. Here's the deal. And I'm they, not this saying this defense held them to 112 yards total. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that Joe Flacco is the answer. I'm not saying that by any means. But what I'm saying is, just as as you people were calling for Lamar, and you you don't know until you give it a shot. That's my point. It's naive to say that with that. I understand the Marty Morning Wig is a whole different conversation. You are 100 percent right about that. But if if you forced Mar, if John forced Marty and said you were going to run the same exact schema with Joe Flacco at quarterback, if John Harbaugh, that's a big if. I'm saying I'm I'm trying to be flat out. If you did that and it doesn't work with Joe Flacco, fine. 
But my question is, and it's the same question on the other end of the spectrum. What if? What if it does work? What okay. if it is more accessible? Because here's the deal. What, you what's just, the, hold on, hold on. What's the chance hold on, let me, let me finish, But Let me finish my point. Joe Flacco brings out 220 more yards average per game passing than he – than. No, lo- that's yeah. inaccurate. I'm sitting here looking Flacco at Flacco doesn't – Flacco is averaging this year 265.1 yards per game Lamar in the air. Lamar Jackson is averaging 42.2 yards per game in the air. No, he's not. He's averaging like 115. Or I'm looking at the stat on the Ravens website. Average per yards. I can turn around and show you it's right wrong. now. It's wrong. So oh, the Ravens, no, wait, 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 wait. That's over a 14-game span. It's not taking in since he's been the starter. That's why it's wrong. Look at the last three weeks what he's averaged. He's averaged like 100 and... We'll just say 125 yards, and I know that's on the low end. We'll just say he's averaged 125 yards in his last three starts because he's only been starting for three games. You're factoring in nine games that he came in in situations, and he all he did was run the ball. I'll have to. I'd have to look up the actual that's schedule why. and the that's stats why. and find out how many yards he's got. 540 total yards, right? But but I'm he saying, had some of those. He had not some. Many, of the, not many. Not many. It might have been. Right. Might have been a hundred total yards passing prior to this game maybe something in that neighborhood but that's why that stats wrong but he, here's here's what even I'm, still it's 100 it, it, okay if it's 100 it's still 165 right yards in the air right. more double what he what Lamar is producing on the ground yeah but what you're gaining back in time of possession and limiting the other team's chances at scoring the football is where you're benefiting the most. We've also talked, but you, you're, you're talking you're about... gaining on the defensive side. And you're talking side. about time of possession, which you and I have talked about prior, about time of possession. In all reality, it doesn't mean anything because we've watched can, some of these teams. We've, we've watched some of these teams. Patrick Mahomes it is a can. perfect example it, as far as passing can take up time. It putting depends it over the middle. on the game that you're watching. It depends on the game that you're watching. I agree it, with depends, that. it depends on the teams that are involved. If your offense is built around, we don't see it anymore. Gone are the days of, of the run-heavy offenses. They've been gone because the NFL sells what's sexy, and what's sexy right. is passing and passing yards and passing touchdowns and quick scores. That's what's sexy to the league right now. That's why the def- – I mean, they can blame it on oh, where we're trying to make the league more safe and all that stuff, and maybe they are in some ways, but it's really about making their product look more appealing to the masses. You can still win a football game running the football. You just don't see it anymore. No, I'm not. I guess, and to kind of circle back to where we were with this, I'm not saying, I think you're saying Lamar is the answer the rest of the season. Yes. Agree or disagree? For for these, the, the opponents that we're going against, I'm not saying... At the start of this year or at the start of next year. Rest of the season. I'm just talking about the rest of the season in the opponents that we have. Yes. Okay. I I just disagree with with saying that he is the sole answer until you see what Joe does in that scheme. That's just how I see it. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being completely naive. Just think of it from from a defensive standpoint, right? Just for a second. We can move on from this because we'll spend all night on this. (laughs) You and I will. (laughs) I'm, I'm like, I can feel my blood pressure going up. So... If I'm a defense and I see you running this this same offensive scheme with Joe Flacco at quarterback, I am not paying one bit of attention. I'm not spying. I'm not containing. I'm not doing anything with Joe. I'm going to make him try to beat me with his legs. And you know what? That's never going to happen. He's not fast enough. So I'm going to focus my attention. If you're running the same scheme, 
You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't have Joe Flacco throwing for 300 yards and uh, Gus Edwards throwing for 150, running for 115 yards in that game plan, in that scheme. You can't because the play calling didn't doesn't allot for 300 yards passing. It's it's much more heavily heavily geared towards running the football. That doesn't that. work sli- yeah, for I, Joe Flacco. I, I, I'll give you the two examples. I guess when I look at it, and it would I guess it would change the scheme. I. I'd flank Joe Flacco with two with two running backs. I'd flank Dixon on one side and Gus Edwards on the other. There's your dual threat. There's where you have to spy. You don't know who's who's going to hand it off to. If you put him in the I formation, run him out of center under but center. That's a different scheme. That's not this. It's, scheme. It's, but it is a similar. It's a two. In all he reality, he has ran two back formations before. He has had two backs back there, and it hasn't done anything. Not flanked. Him. He runs in the eye. He doesn't. He doesn't run in out of the gun. He doesn't. He's never flanked in the gun. Ever yeah. well, we can agree to disagree on this. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's going to be one of those things. I think it's John's got a hard uh, hard decision to make. Uh, you know, this is this is obviously a decision that's going to play an effect on whether the Ravens retain him and offer him a contract beyond these years. Which I'm, you know, as much as I like Harbaugh as a person, I just do not like him as a coach. I've never been no. a big fan of him as a coach. I think he's terrible at in game decisions. Uh, we've talked about that countless amount of times. I think this team just needs an overhaul uh, on the entire coaching staff. I'm okay with Wink. Wink. Wink has done okay so far, but we definitely need new leadership uh, at the head coach position, and we definitely need it at the offensive coordinator. So hopefully, we'll see that coming <laughs> in the next year. No, no doubt about that. All right, let's let's move on for a minute. Let's Ooh, go. My God. <laughs> We can go all night. We're Shoot. the funny part is you I haven't I, even been paying attention to the comments. So for you guys out there that have been chiming in, probably like Fred, you're an idiot. Blah blah blah. I've not been paying attention. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going off on a rant there. <laughs> no, there. Look, there's there's people that are saying both things. I, I've watched people, you know, kind of chiming in, and I I don't know exactly the seconds where they're chiming in. Uh, some people are putting putting it on, saying, you know, look, it's there are other factors, like like we were saying. I I think it's it's that other factor thing that a lot of people bring up that there it's not just the one factor, Lamar. There were it's other a factors. Cumulative effect, and that's what I mean. It's it's Lamar led offense affects the offensive line it affects the running game it affects the defense it affects the time of possession it affects all those things it's not that Lamar is everybody wants to hear that that argument is that Lamar is the better quarterback that's not it it's the Lamar offense that style of offense fits this team and this coaching regime better Right now, for the remaining schedule that we have, right now, and I think I think that's what I I understood what that's where you were going with it. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, as we look to this game against Kansas City, right? Uh, you know, obviously they're going to be down one huge part of, yeah. of their offense. Yeah. Um, Idiot. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be going into this game. We've got a three and three record on the, on the road. We're going into K- Kansas City. We're a half game behind the Steelers, and we're going in against Kansas City team who's ten and two. Off the heels, lost the Steelers, and now going into this game again, questionable running game. I know we actually had Ryan ask uh, fantasy is Hunt good or is uh, is Ware a good pickup for fantasy at this point? Uh, eh. it, it, it's it's tough to say. Yeah, I mean he didn't look good in his uh, in the latter half of where he's been playing as in his backup role. So I don't know, but. We'll see. It, for me, I think the one thing that we have to continue to see is this pass rush. They've stepped up the past two games yeah. now. Sizzle has been in there. We've seen Zadarius Smith. We've seen uh, Anwasser on the last game. But 
I think you have to see them have another great game. It's critical that you keep Mahomes in the pocket. You have to keep him in the pocket. You have to collapse around him, similar to what we had said about Drew Brees. You got to. He is Mahomes has proven himself to be one of the best quarterbacks at throwing on the run. This guy has one of the strongest arms on the run and one of the most accurate arms on the run. So you've yeah. got to limit the time that he has, and you got to keep him inside the pocket. If he gets outside, that's where he's going to beat you. Yeah, no, I mean we've seen that. The other, the other place that they're going to beat you is that tight end of theirs. Yeah, Kelsey, he's a beast. He is going to kill. At this gonna, point, he's the best tight end in the league right now. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I mean, he's it's him and then Ertz. Yeah. If I'm putting one two, and I, I I would give that to Kelsey. But yeah, yeah I mean absolutely one two. But if when you're looking at it, that's the thing that scares me in this game the most yeah. out of anything, because who are we going to have covering Kelsey? Yeah, it's it's we know. Look, I know that some people don't like the fact that I I haven't been happy with C.J. Mosley, and I know that you express similar things, and we've talked about it at you know at length at nauseum mm-hmm. to an extent in in a, one of our chats on Twitter. But the the thing with Mosley is when you can start burning him over the middle, you've something's got to change. Wink has to change something, and I, I don't. We've said it. I'm still yet to see it. Why not bring him up? We see he does better when he's up on the line and he's getting in on the pass rush. Right. Why not get him in there and let Kenny Young play better coverage? We saw it in preseason, and since preseason, we haven't seen them him in pass coverage, but maybe once or twice all well, season. To your point, this goes back to the pass rush. Last week, this past week against Atlanta, you know Austin Hooper, we thought he could potentially have a big game. Well, he didn't, and the way we shut that down was by getting to Matt Ryan, yeah, keeping him uncomfortable. It's going to be the same thing with Mahomes. You got to look. Kelsey's going to put up numbers. It's just he's their best target over the middle of the field. He's one of their best targets that they have. Tyreek Hill is their big playmaker, but Kelsey is their guy. You take Kareem Hunt now out of the mix, and they're going to rely. I mean, obviously, Kelsey had a huge game this past Sunday. I want to say he had two touchdowns. And 160 yards or something like that. I mean, he had a huge day. He could have that same, that very well, that same type of day against us. You, you've got to get to Mahomes. That's at that's the end all be all if you want to stop this offense. Yeah. And the other thing is, time of possession. You've got to limit the amount of times that they're on the field. You've got to continue drives. You got to run the clock out as much as you possibly can, but you've got to be efficient when you have the football. You've got to be scoring. They are going to put up points. They're going to. But so you've got to be able to match their the, points that they're putting up. The problem when is you have the ball and they've got a terrible defense. I I agree. The the thing that that's going to be interesting is how this defense if we can put the pressure on Mahomes and make them Honestly, make them use up a little bit of time, but that's the problem with this Kansas City offense. Time of possession, I don't think, honestly, if I'm going to make a prediction for this game, time of possession is going to mean crap in this game. And it's because Kansas City can, they have, the, here's what, hold on, they have the ability to score quick. Here's the thing that goes back to my point that I said earlier. 
seven points or eight points, whatever you want to get. Seven points is seven points. Okay. Kansas City gets the ball. It takes them 30 seconds to get down the field and score a touchdown. We get the ball. It takes us nine minutes to get down the field and score a touchdown. There's nine minutes and 30 seconds gone in the game, and what's the score? Seven to seven. They can't put up 14 points. They can't put up 21 points if they're not on the football field. But if they can do it quicker each time, all it takes is one, one. That's but then what you're saying then is that this defense isn't playing good football and that they can't make a stop and they can. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's this. We have seen the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a dominant offense. We have seen them march down Absolutely. the field in that 30 seconds. Agreed. The longer not arguing that the, and to it also to the extent the longer it also takes us to get down the field, the higher chance it is that we may not score as many points that you have to settle for the field goal because if I you're right, if it, if you if it takes you 9 minutes to go 100 yards okay great you burn some time off the clock my point is this we're not going to win a shootout battle I don't oh, no. care. I don't care if you've got Joe Flacco at quarterback, Lamar Jackson at quarterback, Sam Koch at quarterback. I don't care who you have at quarterback. We're not going to win a shootout battle with this team at all. Right? If you score in 30 seconds, they score in 30 seconds. That's one minute that they that has gone by in a game. Now they've got 14 minutes still in the fourth quarter or the first quarter to score again. No. My point is you have to limit the amount of opportunities that they have and rely on your defense. To do what they're designed to do. They are a top-rated defense Absolutely. for a reason. And their Kansas City is not going to score on every single possession. It might look like that because they put up 50 points against the Rams, but that was a goddamn embarrassment to the NFL as far as defense goes for both of those teams. I'll agree with that. It was. It was an embarrassment. The Ravens. If you control the time of possession, what I keep saying, I'm going to keep repeating myself because it's, it's, it's my point. It keeps the defense fresh and it allows them to be at their best and do what they are built to do. You know, it also keeps the defense fresh. Patrick Mahomes scoring, scoring within five minutes on every, on every uh, possession. That 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 that's the shootout. But that's what, but that's what I'm saying. That's what you have to recognize. That is something that they have done. They've done it against good teams, not just bad teams. Kansas City has also done this against good defensive teams. They only put up 16 against Pittsburgh. Okay, all right. So 16 against Pittsburgh. Listen, I, listen. You can go back to the the Rams game. They put up 50 points. All I'm saying is this team hasn't put up 50 points every single game. I'm not yes. saying that, but they're putting up 30, 40, and they're putting up 20. They're averaging 37. I would say they're 30, 30, yeah, 37, 43, 43, 30, 27, 38, 42, 38, 40, 54, 26, 30. It's, they're averaging they're, 37, but right. they haven't played the Ravens defense yet, which is the top-rated defense in the NFL. You've got Marlon Humphrey, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's a top-three corner in the league right now. Yes, you've got old, you've got an old safety out there, but you do have a veteran, veteran savvy safety. I'm not saying right. that Kansas City's not going to score; they absolutely are. That's what they're built to do, right? But you're not giving the credit where the credit's due for the Ravens' defense and their ability to be able to hold a defense that can. I mean, think about We've it. We've also seen spaces where this defense has shown t signs of being suspect at times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we haven't seen that since Lamar's taken over. You're going to go there. Again, I am. You? 
We haven't seen it because they're more fresh. Now, now Lamar. What did, now what did Lamar we say? is responsible for the defensive what did calls. We, no, not the defensive calls. The defensive ability. What did we say? Was it last week or the week before about Terrell Suggs? What did we say? We needed to see him step up. Well, uh, I guess two weeks. Ago. More specific. You have to help me out here. I we said that at this point in his career, he looks more of like a situational pass rusher because he looks winded, he looks gassed, he looks tired. In these past three weeks, since ter- since Lamar Jackson's taken over, since we've dominated time of possession, since the defense hasn't had to be on the field longer as as much as much as they were in the past, what have we seen these past two games? Terrell Suggs has upped his play; he's playing better. It affects everything. That's the bigger picture here. I'm not saying it affects the play calling. But if you can keep these seasoned veterans, the guys that have been around forever, that are the heart and soul of your team, that can be damn effective when they're healthy. What do we say about Suggs? When he comes out in the beginning of the year, when he's healthy and when he's fresh, he looks like a damn pro bowler. Week one, two, week three, every year. But then he hits a wall. Well, he hasn't had to be out on the field as much these past couple weeks, and we've seen him get better. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Right? I'll give you that. Okay. But they haven't, these past three weeks, they haven't gone up against Patrick Mahomes in this Kansas City offense. <laughs> you're right. I, I, that's, I'm not saying so, that. But that's, that's my point, is you're, you're, you're arguing about how well Lamar has done against this. Look, Kansas City's defense, suspect. I agree 100%. They, they are not what they the should be. The worst in the league. One of the worst in the league. But... We have not seen this defense go up against a top-tier offense because that's what Kansas City is. Kansas City is a top-tier offense. They are number, they're, they're, they're number one. Great. They're number one against th- the past three teams that we've played. That we've, we've, We all are in agreement. Are horrible teams offensively. Horrible. The three worst, the three worst teams I, in the listen, league. Listen, I've said this. Prior to Lamar coming in and all that stuff, I think our defensive ranking is a little overrated because of and inflated because of a few games that we had against some pretty bad teams early right. on. The big game against Tennessee, having the shutout uh, where Mariota looked awful. We had 11 sacks in that game, but that speaks to our defense as well. 11 sacks doesn't just accidentally happen. The first game of the year against Buffalo, those two games skewed the stats a little bit. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> these last three games, albeit first two, Bengals, the Raiders, not very exciting offenses, we've seen this defense get better. Atlanta, they don't have Devontae Freeman, but they are still a dangerous offensive team with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper. Mohamed Sanu. They're still a dangerous offensive team. I don't care what team you put on the field. Any NFL team. You hold an NFL team to 112 total yards in a football game? That's impressive. You want to talk about explosive offense and all these numbers and all this crazy stuff. We're still living in that same day and age, and you just held a team to 112 total yards. 90-something passing. And we're not talking about one of the worst offensive teams in the league. And you did it on the road in Atlanta. It's pretty impressive. That's all I'm saying. I'm not so saying. So th- oh, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Dallas's uh, defense. Dallas's defense, okay. 
Where would you rank them? Uh, I'd rank them a lot higher now after their performance against New Orleans than I would have prior. So I you think? So, I would say so. You you would agree that that was also impressive. They gave the blueprint to the NFL on how to shut that offense down. Okay. I'm just I'm trying to make sure I'm following your your your, your thought path here. That's all. Mm-hmm. I I guess I look at it and I say, again, we still haven't seen it. If if this defense, look, Matt Ryan, I agree with you. They they have weapons, but guess what? Those weapons haven't been as effective as they have in the past. Agree or disagree? Uh, agreed with that. Okay. What happened when that defense went up against the Saints? What happened when what defense? Our defense. Went up against the Saints. We did damn good for three quarters. Drew Brees picked us apart because he's Drew Brees in the fourth quarter. But we shut them how about the first, down how about the first, for the first three how about the first, how about the first? How about the first quarter where they went through and got three? Fourth downs? Fourth down conversions. That's a big set of kahunas for Sean Payton. I don't care. It still happened. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't tell me whether it's a good defense or not because they couldn't stop a short yardage fourth down. That's a ballsy move by Sean Payton that he converted on, but it backfired on him when he got down to the goal line and fumbled the football. So if we're going to get that picky about it, there's that too. All I'm saying is we did pretty damn good against them for three straight quarters, and you know what happened? Drew Brees happened, and the defense got tired because who was laying, who was leading the offense? Joe Flacco. And what was he doing most of that game? Three and out. And what happened? And, and what happened when you three put, and out? What happened when you put Lamar in at the goal line again in that game? Uh, nothing. That was, that was nothing. The, nothing. That, it that doesn't was, matter. You're that was one about, play. You're talking about a play, not an entire game, not an entire. Body every of time work. we got in the red zone that in that game, did, how many times did we score with, with Lamar in the red zone in that game? I zero. I don't know. Zero. The answer is zero. I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I can't even speak to it, so I don't, I don't the, know if you're right or not. The answer is zero. I can tell you, I'm 100 percent right. The we didn't score very much with Joe Flacco for the entire game, yet alone one play. Anyway, right. <laughs> we're just going to keep circling back to this. See this uh, argument over here? We're going to come back to it. <laughs> but no, woo! it's, it's, it's going to be I'm a not shame. even drinking tonight. And neither of us are. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, no, it, look, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's, it will be the tale of what happens to the defense, period. And, and all I'm trying to say with all these points is, again, this is just talking about who we're going up against for the remaining portion of this year. And all the naysayers out there that want to say we can't compete with the high-flying offenses of Kansas City and the Chargers, that those two are automatic losses for us, it's not true. That's just not accurate. Do I think we have, ask, a better, do we have a better chance at winning the other games? Absolutely. But to say that we have no chance at winning against the Chiefs and the Chargers, it's inaccurate. Let me, let me ask you this. We get blown out by the Chiefs. Okay. Theoretically. I'll eat my words. We got blown out. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'll eat my words. I mean, listen, the potential of that blowout is absolutely there. A couple of things bounce one way or the other, and it could be a blowout either way. I wholeheartedly say that this game could be a blowout. All I'm saying is, I think, personally, in my opinion, fact or not, my opinion, I believe we stand a better chance with a, a Lamar-led offense and the Lamar effect. That's what hashtag Lamar effect. The Lamar effect on this team as a whole. <sighs> and I digress. <laughs> Here we go again. <sighs> Moving Jeez. on, predictions for this week: Ravens or I'm sorry, predictions my prediction for this, is Lamar leads on, the team on, to stop, a victory. Stop! 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 Last week. Last week. 
Ravens uh, Ravens beat the Falcons. You had the Ravens, and so did Ryan. I had the Falcons. Uh, look, I thought I'm I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad. I will eat my words. I thought they. I thought Austin Hooper was going to run all over C.J. Mosley and going to have the ball, and, and Matt Ryan was going to feed him the ball all day long. It didn't happen. Whether that's Matt Ryan's fault or whether it's C.J. Mosley stepping up, I don't know. Or the Lamar effect. <laughs> Just going to keep it going. <laughs> I'm here all night, folks. Woo! Cowboys beat the Saints. All three of us had the Saints. Let me guess. Lamar effect? Could be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shut the hell up, Fred. Somebody we'll watching that game? I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Chargers man. beat the Steelers. Ryan and I had had the Chargers. Uh, you had the Steelers, sir. And you were wrong. I was. You were wrong. I was. I was the closest of hey, score hey, in hey. this game. Hashtag though. Joe effect. <laughs> I was uh, I was. I, I was the closest on the score. You I were. You were. wrong. Uh, so, and then the Eagles, uh, we all three had the Eagles, uh, final score is 28, 13. You had it 23, 18. I had it 30 to 20 and Ryan had it 28, 21. So it's kind of a flip of the coin between you and me on who's closer there. Uh, here we go with the predictions. <laughs> all right. Predictions. <laughs> so this the- makes it all the more, <laughs> oh, you guys, please, that. please just, go- oh, I'm not even going to let him share it. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I'm just going to read it off because he's not going to be able to say this with a straight face now. Fred, let me start with Ryan. Ryan says Ravens 33 to 30. boy, Ryan. I say Chiefs 36-24. Fred. Yeah. Huh. You've been saying Lamar's going to wipe their butt, with wipe the floor with their butt. Uh, don't put words in my oh, mouth. Oh, no, no. You don't might as well have said it. words in my mouth. 30 to 24 Chiefs. Yeah. No, all just, that, all that, and you're <laughs> gonna sit here and pick the Chiefs. Are you serious right now? Yeah, no. I listen. I said that we a Lamar-led pe- offense gives us the best chance. I didn't say we were actually going to win the game. People are gonna be turning down their volume because we're probably peaking the meters. Oh, right I'm now, sure we I'm are, sure. but it is what it is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. I'm a realist. As much as I feel like. Lamar gives this che- this team the best chance to win this game. We don't win this game with Lamar. We don't win this game with Joe. We don't win this game with Sam Koch. We don't win this game with RG3. I don't care who it is. We don't win this game. But we lose by one possession, and Chiefs only put up 30 points because of the Lamar effect. I have it a two-possession game, so... <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> we do have somebody chiming Joe chiming in. He says twenty four to twenty seven Ravens. So he's got it a three point game in the fa- in favor of the Ravens. Uh, look, I I think it's I think it's going to be a two point game. I just don't think I think I've seen so much that's suspect. While I I like what I've seen with lockdown, I, I'm concerned. Can they can can they sustain? And I I just don't think I'm, I'm being negative, Nancy. I'll be I'll, I'll call myself out on I'm being negative, Nancy. And I I gladly would take them doing it, and I will eat crow. I don't give a shit. I will gladly do it, but I just don't think it's going to happen against this high-powered offense. It's per- me personally. Moving on. Jaguars, Titans. Who do you got? Thursday night football. Four and eight Jaguars, six and six Titans. I think the Titans pull this one out. If you'd have asked me before the season, no way do I pick the Titans, but man, the Jaguars have been disappointing this year. Um, I've got the Titans winning this in a low-scoring defensive battle, 17 to 10. Ryan's got the Titans also winning this game 28 to 17. What do you got? 
I got Titans as well. 21-16 here. All right, we're all on the same page. Sunday night football. It's got those 11-1 high-powered offense Rams <laughs> going in against yet another good defensive team. Uh, has had some struggles lately because Mitch Trubisky's been out, but the Chicago Bears sitting at 8-4, and four, sitting atop the, AFC, or the NFC North uh, at this point. I've got the Rams winning this game 27 to 16. Ryan's there with me at 30 to 28. And it looks like you're going the opposite. I got Bears. I think the Bears are going to go for the upset here. Uh, 30 to 27. I think this Bears defense has shown the ability to to kind of step up when it's needed. Khalil Mack, I think he's going to put so much pressure on Jared Goff. It, it, it's going to make him have a little bit of inconsistency. He's going to have some incompletions, some high throws. I, I, this is a game I've watched. I got 30, 30 to 27. It's going to be a close game, in my opinion. Uh, I th- but I think the Bears defense step, steps up, and the difference in this game will be a Bears I can defense, see that. A Bears defensive touchdown. Pick six. Pay attention to the weather in this recovery. game. If it's really cold out there, that could have a huge effect on this game as well. Agreed. Agreed. Last game, uh, 12th man could be an effect in this game. Yeah. As we have the Vikings, Monday Night Football, going into Seattle with that loud 12th man. Yeah. I have the Vikings winning this game 21-17. Very close game. I've got it. It's, look, I think Kirk Cousins and this offense, they, they look, they showed some things this week that I was, showed some concern. I think they're ready to bounce back. Cousins, Diggs, I think they want, they've got something to prove after the loss this week. I think you, you see them go through and, and really step up uh, and upset what many are expecting to be an easy win for the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I thought, it, like I said, the, the NFC North has been a pretty upsetting division to say the least you know what's happened in green bay you know with the recent firing up there and the the record that they have and the vikings you know coming off the season that they came out you know they came off of uh to be at six five and one not playing as well as expected uh and seattle starting to put the pieces together out there starting to look like a pretty good football team all around I got the Seahawks winning this in a close game, and I only gave them the edge because they're at home. And that whole 12th man effect, as you mentioned, I gave the Seahawks the win in this one, 24 to 20. Ryan's right there with me at 23 to 20. Uh, so very similar scores there. Time for a social media shout out, Scott. I have not been paying attention to social media at all. I've been so focused, <laughs> laser focused. He had he had his eyes set this week. All right, so let's just run through it. We got James. Always in the house. Brady in the house this week. Sherry always sharing around. Uh, Carrie, Nikki. Uh, Nikki, I, I I don't know if it leveled out or not. Uh, we did have Nikki kind of say that there was uh, there was a little bit of an issue where there was a delay uh, in our words. Hopefully that is fixed. If not, we know what it is, and we're going to be able to fix it uh, for the next show. Uh, Andrew was in for a little while. Our buddy Ryan's been in. Going on, Ryan. Uh, Matt has been in. Uh, Deshaun has been in making some comments. Uh, Matt's Matt's the one that's been kind of like floating back and forth. Like I feel like uh, Matt, I feel like you were like trying to push both of our buttons with some of the comments. <laughs> you may have been, uh, but it's been quite interesting. Matt's uh, good dude. Brandon, uh, obviously James always chiming in. He says Joe ain't the answer. By the way, uh, right. all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's the Lamar effect. <laughs> Kevin Lamar effect. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> Kevin Chime in here. Kevin's in. Uh Ryan Hewitt. Call. Call. Uh on Twitter, uh O'Kerrigan65 joining. He said, uh he <laughs> we're going way back on this. He he says Bob looked fine, but not ready for prime time. 
Yeah. RG3. Yeah. Uh, we've had plenty of people chiming in on YouTube here. Shashinka uh, Joe, Connor, Ryan again. On yeah, He's all over the place. Yeah. Sports Light, uh, Sports Light, Sports Talk. Spotlight Sports Talk. Or, yeah, Brent, we see you. Uh, who else we got there? Uh, I know there's Tim. Tim Dong. Appreciate you tuning in. Marlon, appreciate you. Anonymous Jackson. And, yeah. de- and a depressed Ravens fan who says uh. who says thirty four twenty three Chiefs. <laughs> Appreciate all you guys tuning in as always. If you're on Twitter, be sure to check us out on YouTube and Facebook. If you're on YouTube, check us out on Twitter and Facebook all, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of Twitter, all the links are below, guys. We appreciate every time that you guys are, are in. Uh, you know, we've been really having fun with everything. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that watch our Monday night feeds for Monday Night Football, we've been making some adjustments. Yeah, be more to come. Up the game on that. More to come. Uh, so we're having we're just going to continue to have fun with everything that we're doing here. So all right, man. So let's transition a little bit over to the University of Maryland. We were going to just do a segment surrounding uh, the Terps men's basketball team, but uh, we did get some breaking news right prior, we right, on. literally right before we went live tonight, uh, and that surrounds the the Maryland football program. As we talked about in the past couple of episodes, did Matt Canada do enough to keep the head coaching job here at Maryland? He did go through the interview process uh, late last week, uh, as well as a few other candidates, including one former uh, Maryland tie guy that's got a huge, huge background in recruiting uh, offensive coordinator from the University of Alabama, Mike Loxley, as he was named uh, or will be named uh, the University of Maryland head football coach moving forward. Yeah, I mean, we we said that this was as much as we felt Canada did a good job enough to be able to show uh, that he, he deserved it. Look, I hope he gets one elsewhere because yeah. I, I feel like he did show it doing what he did with the program. He'll get an opportunity. Uh, yeah, with the program in the in the situation that he was put in, my hat completely goes off to him. I bow to him. You did a great job with what you had and and the situation that you had your team in and everything and and the division that was in the locker room that you were able to kind of bring back together. All that stuff just kind of really played a role for me. Uh, but the ties here, I think it it makes up for what everybody was afraid of. With the recruiting ties, yeah. with losing DJ Durkin, uh, Loxley ha- has has the ties. He yeah. has the ties. He has the ability to do it. I think it's a a, a great move. We brought his name up. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before yeah. uh, talking about it. So it, it's a great move. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sad to see Matt Canada go for all the same reasons. I think he did a hell of a job uh, being thrown into the situation that he was basically thrown into. You know, he was brought in to be an offensive coordinator, and then with all the turmoil, ended up having to to lead the troops, and I think he did a, a, a great job. Um, you know, obviously this university's left with a big black eye, and they got a lot of work to do to rebuild their image, to rebuild their brand, um, it, it, this is something I was actually talking to uh, a couple of other people about like this. We talk about cumulative effect. This has an effect on all universities in the state of Maryland that have ties to the name Maryland. Like if you, th- you think about it, right? If you're an UMBC. Out- UMBC, UMES, like all these other colleges that share the name University of Maryland are going to be affected by this in some sort of way. You've got kids that are out of state that have no idea the division of the University of Maryland versus UMES and versus UMBC and all of that, you just hear that name University of Maryland, and that's the first thing that comes to your mind. Exactly. So it affects everybody, and you got to make a move that is going to generate some buzz 
locally, right? You got to you got to be able to rein in the recruits in your own backyard. And Mike Loxley has a huge history of being successful at recruiting in his own backyard. This is a uh, a bad day for Penn State fans, I can tell you that because Penn State's not going to be happy having Loxley recruiting in their backyard. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, it's going to take time. Listen, this this it's not an Maryland team in this year showed some promise. They've got some good young talent. Obviously, they've got some good running backs there. Uh, they they needed to recruit a little bit better uh, with some line help and and the quarterback position that kind of thing. Uh, but Loxley is the guy for the job. I think it was a good decision. I wish him nothing but luck, and uh, I look forward to seeing the changes uh, as they happen slowly at the University of Maryland with it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but look, they've got another, they've got something else to, to look forward to, yeah. and that is this twenty fourth ranked men's. I think they're actually twenty third now. I think did they it, did it move up one? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they started their season uh, seven and one. So. Great start to this season thus far. Um, they have their next game coming up on Thursday. We're going to walk through all that. But just to run down their first game, early November, they won against Delaware 73-67. They beat Navy 78-57. They beat North Carolina 82-59. They beat Hofstra 80-69. They beat St. Mary's 92-77. They beat Marshall 104-67. to I thought yeah. that was a typo for a second. Uh, and then go up against fourth-ranked Virginia and play a hell of a game. Hell of a game. 76-71. Uh, but they they did lose that game. But to keep it that close was was quite interesting. Five-point game. And it went down the wire. Yeah, uh, it really to, did. Be able to score over 50 points against one of the best defensive teams in basketball. And we talk, talk about time of possession in, 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 in football. Like these guys are methodic with the basketball. Like they, they move the ball around. They move the ball around constantly. They they use pretty much every second of the, of, of the game clock or the shot clock if they possibly can. Uh, so that was an impressive game, win, lose, or draw in that one. And honestly, if they shoot better at the free throw line, if they actually put a body on uh, Christ, what's that guard guy or uh, Gray? Gray. That was, I mean, he was killing it from three point land. If they do that, they win that basketball game. Yeah. You know, the, the, the three point shooting wasn't very good for the Terps. The free throw shooting wasn't very good for the Terps. Uh, but still, again, you score over 50 points against one of the better defensive teams. It was really impressive. This is a Terps team that's young. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to watch them yet, this this new freshman forward center, whatever you want to kind of classify him as, Jalen Smith, he is the real deal. This kid, I mean, he's just... He has the ability to kind of step out and take a jump shot if he needs to. He has the ability to post up. He's a great rebounder. Like that's one of the things that's surrounded this team for the past couple of years that they've lacked is their ability to rebound the basketball. But with Jalen Smith and Bruno Fernandez down low, these guys are controlling the boards 
and they're only going to get better as the season goes on. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, when you look at it, when you look at the numbers across the board, you know, Fernando's got he's averaging 15 and a half points a game, 10 rebounds, and one assist. And then you've got Smith, who's averaging 12 and a half points a game with seven and a half rebounds a game and two assists a game. You know, so it's just the two of those guys are combining uh, to, to make a heavy play. Now, I know that uh, our buddy Ryan, a big Maryland fan. Yeah, he's chimed in and already corrected me a couple times. So Guy was the guy that guy. was shooting, and uh, he also said turnovers were another factor in that game. And it absolutely James says was. That. Yeah, that's James. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, James, right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but the other one that I know that Ryan brought up was Eric Ayala. Yeah. And when you look at his stat line and you look at what he's done so far this year, n- nothing is is crazy one way or the other, mm-hmm. but he's just a straight across the board guy. He's able to hit. He does have the best. I believe he's got the best three po- three uh, three point percentage mm-hmm. on the team. And so it just shows you can if you can have those guys down deep and rebounding the ball and feeding it back out to him to pop off those threes. This 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 team can be deadly. Yeah, Eric Ayala, he's got <clears throat> he's got the makings of being a very very good guard. You pair him with Anthony Cowan who's been here for a few years now, out of the shadow of Mellow Tremble. You know, as as much as I look back at that team a couple years ago with, you know, some of these big recruits, you know, with the Diamond Stones and the Mellow Trembles and and all that stuff. <laughs> Ryan just went off the charts with us talking about this. I know it's a b- bit of a delay. He's just liking and loving everything <laughs> we're saying with Ayala, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's absolutely he's, he's going to be a very, very good guard. He's only going to that's what that's what's so exciting about this team is that they're playing at this level and and Man, I'm going to jump all around here. So <clears throat> Mark Turgeon historically has not been a very good coach, a very good fundamental coach. He's great at recruiting. That's always been his 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 pluses, his ability to recruit. And we've seen that with him. And we've seen some really good teams, potentially good teams, come through here with, like I said, the likes of Diamond Stone and, and, and Mellow Tremble and some of these other guys where they underperformed. I think we went into the one year a couple years back where we were like the third ranked team in the nation or the fifth ranked team in the nation. And we just never lived up to that hype. Right. This team kind of flew in under the radar because they're super young, but they play well as a team together and they've got a good six. Uh, You know, when you include, like I said, Eric Ayala, you got uh, Cowan, Bruno Fernandez, Jalen Smith, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morsell, you've got six or seven guys there that could all potentially start. And depending upon the matchups on who you're going against will depend on who starts every night. This team could be dangerous come March. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. As long as they're firing on all cylinders, absolutely. They could be very dangerous. And they've got a test coming up here. This is going to be one of their bigger tests. Thursday. In all reality, I say it's two big tests. And I'll explain why, but... Purdue ranked number 19th in the country. They face them in two days on on Thursday. Then they follow that up with the Cinderella story from last year in Loyola, Chicago. uh, Who, from what I understand and from what I've been seeing, I don't follow them on a regular basis. I'm not going to say they're having repeat performance, but they're they're keeping up with the high that they lived off last year in, in March Madness. Look, look out for them. You cannot take them for granted. They showed that in 
in the tournament. Yep. And you you know they they went out and they were able to get some recruits. Uh, they're not you know high high level recruits, but they're guys that can play got ball. Better level recruits than they were getting before. Exactly, exactly. So you know what you want to see is you want to see them be able to perform back to back against two teams that are doing well while Loyola Chicago is not ranked. They showed the threat that they could be last year, and we see we see teams that continue to be, uh, you know, threats moving into the tournament year after year after year. If Loyola Chicago, in my opinion, if they move into the tournament again this year, they start cementing that spot of saying we're becoming a top tier style team, right. you know. And the more you do that, the higher you move up in the rankings, the more the more better recruiting year is going to be. Um, but then, speaking of tournaments and speaking of games, this weekend. For you, uh, for you guys that don't have anything going on Saturday, or even if you do, if you want some better plans, <laughs> come hang out with with Ryan, one of our fans of the show, Ryan Shamel, and I will be down at the Baltimore Arena uh, to watch the the Terps. I wish I could be there, man. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. You got uh, it's two games. You've got the first game starting at I think like one or one fifteen. It's going to be Towson Tigers and the Morgan State Bears. So local ties there. So for all you. Morgan and Towson fans come out and support your team and then follow that up with the Terps playing their game. Just a, it's a shot to go see your team at a local level. And, you know, so you don't have to travel Close, closer too far. to home. Don't, yeah. You don't have to go all the way down to almost DC to be able to watch your team. Uh, so we'll be down there. And if you if you send us a message, we'll be sure to, uh, Meet up with you at some point. We'll be rocking our Birdland BS gear. I'm gonna make sure I get Ryan a shirt so he's got something to represent down there. I we'll, wish uh, I could. I have to work, and it sucks because I got to work, and I have to work a shift where I I couldn't even meet you guys down there. <laughs> it's a pain, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it sucks. So, but we, yeah, but looking forward to that, Ryan. I look forward to it Saturday, buddy. I'll be looking forward to all the pictures and the updates throughout yeah, the game. Absolutely. All right, so we got to hit on this before we get off, uh, and I'm not gonna spend too much time on this, but it, it's the Orioles. Yeah. Um, Mike Elias making some moves here. Yeah, man. Uh, I like what he does. He he, look. He he's cleaning house. He's saying what he was going to do. Um, two guys that statistically just have not ever stood out, and that's Swaggy T, Tim Beckham, mm-hmm. and Caleb Joseph. He out. He, he just outright doesn't doesn't continue their contracts. They were up for both up for arbitration. They say we're gonna not we're not gonna tender them. Uh, they release them and put them as free agents. Uh, I think it's a great move. Yeah, I'm um, right there with you. We we talked about Caleb before. He's not. I love Caleb, the guy. Absolutely. And you know, sometimes you got to be able to separate your heart from what's best for a team. And he is definitely not part of the plan. He could be a great backup for somebody. Yeah, great I backup. Agree. Yeah, I great mean, backup. He, what he brings in knowledge, and I think what he brings to a clubhouse can help another team. But where this team is right now, through the re- going through the rebuild process. I don't think he'd. Uh, I don't think he's the right fit here. No, I agree. Got to give agree. some younger guys some chances. And we continue to see the executives get dismissed. Uh, Brian Graham. Yeah. He originally joined the team in 2007 as a special assignments coach, and then was moved to the director of player development in 2013 mm-hmm. under Dan Duquette. That move, some say, was probably the worst move Dan Duquette made. I tend to agree because of what we've seen out of our player development. It just hasn't been there. It's Worst been- move Dan Duquette ever made was signing Chris Davis to that mega deal. I mean, I, look, I was there What's for it. <laughs> I, I wanted it, but, man, that was a waste of a hundred and some million dollars, $160 million, whatever it was. Ouch. I No, look, I, I agree. I agree. I just Front look- office move? Absolutely. Definitely a bad Worst, move. worst front office move. Elias, Elias, be honest with you, though, didn't really have a whole lot of options with with this guy. 
uh, with no. Graham. I mean, Graham basically took over the GM responsibilities once the Orioles let go of Dan Duquette. Uh, so it was basically Elias coming in and replacing Graham and then seeing if he had a fit elsewhere in another role. And at this point, they're going in another direction. So Yeah, no, they continue to do that. Now, I did hear, uh, so I forget what show it was on uh, on MLB Network, but they did have Mike Elias on. And talking about the manager situation, he basically said it was interesting, his statement, because he kind of I don't want to say he changed his tone, uh, but he did kind of change his tone in the original um, press conference that they had. He said, we have no timetable. I don't care if it happens before or after the winter meetings in this interview. He wants to take as much pie as top as possible, but says he needs to and he needs to find the best fit, yeah. uh, but recognizes that it needs to be done ASAP. And he specifically said, uh, you know, hopefully before winter meetings. And he actually made the statement, I expect a move to be made in the next week or so leading up to the winter meetings. Yeah, I mean, this seemed to be priority number one uh, once he came in and kind of got his wits about him and sat down with the entire staff to kind of figure out where everybody was at and their thinking for the for the job. Uh, you know, obviously he's going through his candidates now, which, you know, he did say in his interview that he's he's interviewed or well, hasn't interviewed, but he's gone through the paperwork and the evaluation process of numeral candidates. Correct. Uh, I know you uh, have a few that you want to talk about. Specifically. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was there was four main guys that were rumored. I'm going to before I get into those, I'm just going to spell off the names that are, are less rumored, but still out there. Carlos Beltran, Raul Ibanez. Oh, God, no. Joe Girardi. Do you find a pattern there in those first three? <laughs> yeah, all former uh, Yankees. Jeff Bannister. Uh, John Gibbons. No. Toronto. I hate that. No. Uh, Manny Acta. Freddie Gonzalez. And the name that's still out there, Mike Bordick. Kill it. <laughs> Kill it with a fly swatter. I, I agree. Uh, the four that are out there still, one of the three I find really interesting. Um, but the, the, three, the three that I find less interesting, but I still like them. Chip Hale, the Nats bench coach. Don't know enough about him. Uh, I mean, he, he's been under the tutelage of several different uh, Nats head coaches. He's remained there. He's helped to get that that staff can, fairly consistent uh, for the most part. So I like what I'm seeing there. They're not overreacting. I think he has a, a potential good fit. Does he have any managerial experience? No, but he's got player development experience. Okay. No, I'm just asking. I'm not asking because yeah. of a better yeah, point. No. I just want to know. He, he's, he has player development experience and i think that's the first priority right now yeah. it's it's a guy that can manage players but he has to develop them first and that's a, that's what a bench coach really does right um brian or brandon hyde the cubs bench coach okay uh he's been there i think three years heard good things about him joe espada which is the name that i've brought up ding 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 the astros bench coach ding 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 i i love that one ding 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 why not keep it in the family I mean, yeah. you've already kept it in the family you with the astros already as it is. know what kind of working relationship you have with this guy exactly exactly and if he's even a consideration if it wasn't a good working relationship he's not even brought up he's not even a thought so there's obviously good chemistry there between the two of them and he thinks highly of him that's our guy I agree. The one that, that that really kind of threw me, and I haven't done enough research on this, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do research this week because I this is the, today was actually the first time I saw this name, Mike Bell. Oh yeah, the uh, VP of uh, baseball operations in uh, Arizona, right? Baseball development, not baseball operations. Development, okay. So he is, from my understanding, the equivalent of what Brian Graham was for the D-backs organization. Okay, so. And I, 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 know I, I heard this rumor. 
And I have to, I'm curious just because it, it does have an Oriole tie. Do you remember Michael Bourne? Yeah. He was responsible for bringing Michael, Michael Bourne up in the D-backs organization who did well as a D-back. Yeah. Journeyman later on, but yeah. Correct. The management there didn't do a well, a good job of keeping him, you know, in a healthy status. Look, and keeping I have well, all the respect but. in the world for Arizona. Arizona. Arizona has put together a competitive team over the years with really minimal resources. Yeah. But of those guys, I think we both agree. I think Joe Spot is a move. I think I, I think that's the move. I don't think there's a question behind it anymore. You make that move and you're done. Period. That's that end of story. That's it. No question on it. Um the other thing that is still up in the air, I, we're not even going to open this for debate because you and I will just go on this all day long. <laughs> Can we just define the role of Brady Anderson or get rid of him? Get rid of him. Smack him with that fly swatter two, three, four, <laughs> however many times it takes to get him out. He may enjoy it. I don't know. Get him <laughs> out. Look, if if Angelus family wants him in because of his tie to Baltimore, make him nutrition, make him your strength and conditioning coach. I don't care. The guy's in physical. We've said him, it before. Put him up in the suites. Make him kiss babies. Shake hands. That's fine. Keep him out of player development. Keep him out of the front office. Make him hug, you know, take pictures with women, whatever he wants to do. At 50-some years old, that. if he can make his body look that good, look. Get Trumbo, a little, get Trumbo a little bit more in, in shape with All his right. nutrition and his eating habits. Do the same thing with Davis. Who knows? Maybe a different diet helps Davis. Who, know, who knows? Hey, look, he, he may be a very well-respected person as far as front office goes with some other organization. If somebody else out there sees value in Brady, let him go. Let him go. Nobody's going to see value in Brady. I will see. Really quickly, though, I do want to just hit on the fantasy football just really quickly. We're not going to go through this whole thing. So this week we wrapped up uh, the regular season. Scott, I'm out of the playoffs. You're in the playoffs. All right, we're done. Here yeah, we no go. wonder you're putting X's <laughs> through it over there. No wonder you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, so Scott and I went down to the wire, ended up beating him uh, in the Birdland BS League to get into the playoffs. I will have the third seed going against Brian, who Damn, has the Zach sixth hurts. seed. Uh, Scott, you are eliminated. Ryan, you want to say it again? You are Do you eliminated. Want to say it again? <laughs> eliminated. Hashtag Lamar effect. Uh, you are. <laughs> the only reason I'm eliminated is because you were praying last night. As we're doing oh, live stream, Zach Ertz I didn't was. get another reception. God, yeah. No more, no more catches. <sighs> Ryan, uh, he, he had a win, a big win against Troy, 143 to 104. He finishes 8-5 and five on the year. He'll be the two seed, and he has a bye the first week. So Christy with the one seed, Ryan with the two seed, me with the three seed, Jess with the four seed, which after her draft, that's an impressive. Yeah. I really did not think that she was going to go very far with her draft. So good job to you, Jess. Gene with the fifth seed. Good to see him getting back into the fantasy league and getting into the playoffs. And then Brian with the sixth seed. How does it that both of the couples make it in? Yeah, that is kind of strange. They hmm. they both had early draft Working picks, too. Working together. <laughs> Could be. Hmm. Two Conspiracy brains are better theory. than one. <laughs> Conspiracy theory, just saying. In our Baltimore league, uh, we, we went into this league with the playoff spot pretty much already wrapped up, but we went against Matt Stevens, who we had on the show this past week, uh, and we mollywopped him. What's, no one, chance. <laughs> one fifty-eight to one twenty-two. We finished with the third seed, and it's all based on points. There, it's the only reason we finished with the third seed. Uh, we are going up against in the first round Adam Bonacorsi of Russell Street Report. Uh, you can find him at B, Adam B Moore on Twitter. Uh, we are projected to win that game one thirty to one hundred two. So you've got the number one seed in that is KZ. Ken Zalis, the fantasy, the fantasy guru. Yeah, I would say fantasy so, guru himself. If he wouldn't have finished with the first seed in this playoff, he he wouldn't have uh, 
wouldn't have lived up he, to the I would title. say we, we would have all given him a hard oh, time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can't now because he did finish first. Uh, Adam's I love got that, the by the way, seed. I have to call Ken out because in our chat, he goes, who's Scott? I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Just because I don't chime in all the time. Uh, gotta make I'm a name sorry. for yourself. Gotta make a name. Uh, Adam, the number two seed. We were the third seed, and Matt Stevens, even with the loss to us, did finish with the fourth seed. Uh, so, again, we're going to go against Adam here in the first round uh, of the playoffs. So, excited about that. But, uh, whew. What a long show. What a long show. And I've got a lot, a lot of stuff for... All right, Fred. Is there, it is your week for the two-minute warning. I don't have my clock, so I have no idea how fast I'm going to be going with this thing. But that's all right. I'm going to try to get it in how I can. There's a clock on there. Just remember, the countdown, as soon as you hit it, it, counts, it starts counting <sighs> ah, down. I got you. All right. Ready? Your time starts right now. Running back Kareem Hunt was released by the Kansas City Chiefs after video of an assault on a woman was released. Kareem, in an interview with ESPN, said he lied to the Chiefs about what happened on that day and that he understands the decision. Another situation that only comes to light because of a video. When's the league going to enforce a zero tolerance for all domestic violence cases? Who knows? Needs to happen. Green Bay Packers are moving on from Mike McCarthy as their head coach. After their loss to the Cardinals on Sunday, the 13-year Packer head coach was fired. This comes even before the team is officially eliminated from the playoff contention. Rumors have been swirling that there was tension growing in the locker room, specifically between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Offensive coordinator Joe Philbin will serve as the team's interim head coach for the remainder of the season. The team is now 4-7-1 on the year. Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen and Patriots head coach Bill Belichick were caught on camera jawing at each other during their game this past Sunday. Thielen apparently thought that Patriots safety Patrick Chung was possibly faking an injury to allow the team to decide on throwing a challenge flag on a questionable first down spot for the Vikings. Thielen was seen yelling towards the Patriots sideline that it was bullcrap and later said that he thought it was interesting timing for the injury. Bilicek was seen on camera yelling towards Thielen to shut the F up. If you haven't seen it, Google it. It's pretty funny stuff. It was funny stuff. In NBA news, the Chicago Bulls have parted ways with head coach Fred Hoiberg after starting 5-19 on the season. Associate head coach Jim Boylan has been promoted to head coach in the interim. The former Ohio State or Iowa State head basketball coach was hired by the Bulls in June of 2015 and amassed an embarrassing 115-155 and record at his time with Chicago. The college football playoff schedule set. The final four teams were picked, and now we know who will be fighting for the national championship. No surprise, the number one seed, Alabama, will be taking on the number four seed, Oklahoma Sooners, in the Capital One Orange Bowl on December 29th. The number two seed, Clemson Tigers, will do battle with the number three, Notre Dame, in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Would not surprise me at all to see yet another Alabama-Clemson uh. national championship. Boom! Man, I might have went over by half a second, but that felt, that felt good. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> Man. Wow. What a show, my friend. Long show today. Hour and like 35, 37 minutes, somewhere around in there. Long show, but we I got it parched. in. parched. You and I had our debate. <laughs> we did. We'll still have it, I'm sure, again. <laughs> Off the air. Hashtag Lamar, hashtag Joe, whatever you want to do. Look, we want to remind everybody, hit up birdlandbs.com. You can check out all of our episodes there. You can check out about Fred and I and Ryan. You can also check out our gear page, 
all the gear. I got the shirt on, got the hat. Fred's got the sweatshirt over there. Uh, it's a good thing you didn't wear that. It would have been hot in here like that. <laughs> oh, that I'm thing hot on. now. <laughs> uh, also, check us out, birdlandsports.com. There's tons of, of content there by us, uh, some other podcasters and writers. There's enough content every day of the week for you. It's for fans, by fans. Uh, follow us on all of our social media accounts, at BirdlandBS on Twitter, at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just search BirdlandBS. You'll find us, no problem. Like, follow, and subscribe while you're there, and be a part of the BirdlandBS Nation by making sure that you share that. You can also use hashtag BLBSNation if you want to hear your opinion heard on the show. As always, the audio podcast, you can get that on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, any app, you name it, we're on it. Go check it out. As always, thanks for tuning in this week, and we'll be back next Tuesday night, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For Berlin BS, I'm Scott. I'm Fred. See you guys. Hashtag Lamar Effect. Lamar Effect.